Straight out of Gibraltar, sponsored by Coca-Cola. Welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar, bringing you interviews and all the best music from the Gibraltar music scene. Hey guys, welcome to Straight Outta Gibraltar. We did say we would have more interviews, but at the same time we said we didn't, but then we changed our minds and it goes back and forth. Obviously with this pandemic, obviously we have to keep ourselves very busy, of course, because there is no live music to go out and cover or even promote, unfortunately. But obviously once everything is clear and everything gets Pretty much, uh, we we'll get rid of this lockdown. I'm pretty sure there'll be uh, live music to spare, and I think we'll be spoke for choice once that happens. Our guest today actually comes from from Gibraltar, but he lives in New York at the moment. And of course, the fact that he lives in New York means he's also very busy with what he does. But obviously, he's, uh, every so often he is in Gibraltar. He does perform here as well. And of course, he's a regular of the jazz scene. For those who know the jazz scene in Gibraltar pretty well, probably know what I'm, who I'm talking about. But I'm going to introduce him anyway. So I welcome Eli Macias to the show. Welcome, Eli. Hey, hi, David. Thanks. Thanks uh, for having me on the show. And how are you doing today, Eli? Obviously, this pandemic is driving everyone crazy, but I'm pretty sure musicians are being mo- the most creative at the moment. See, as, uh, you know, yeah, it's a little uh, disconcerting. Once the, you know, as time goes by, uh, you know, things things start to uh, people start to get a little crazy, but uh, yeah, as musicians, I'm used to being at home a lot. So for me, it's like, uh, you know, I can practice or do there's so many things that, that I can be doing. So on that level, you know, I try and stay busy and doing things and staying in touch with people too, as much as possible. That's the thing. Yeah. I think this pandemic has made everyone reach out to you and to people that maybe they haven't spoken to in a while. Obviously, things are so unprecedented in every sense of the world. We don't really know what's going to happen. Obviously, things are a bit more clear in Gibraltar. Obviously, we haven't really had any deaths to the coronavirus. But obviously, I think we consider ourselves very blessed in that sense. But like everything else, it will be crazy, you know, to to not, not witness. If one death happens in Gibraltar, it's a death for a soul, really, I think. 
See, Gibraltar's been uh, been great. I mean, people have been uh, staying home and you know doing the right thing, and the government's been uh, you know giving the right the right direction and the right information to people. Uh, here yeah. it's a little different. You get a city like New York, and there's so many people and so many different uh, you know <laughs> sections of society and people who just don't want to stay home. You know, it's not that simple. It's a big city with a lot of people and. Uh, but uh, we 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 live upstate now. We moved we moved up into the country a little bit. So for us, it's been also a different experience. I don't th- being in the city is. I'm, I'm happy. I'm not in the city now. <laughs> <laughs> it's all rush, rush, rush. But obviously, in the country, like you said, in the countryside, obviously more tranquilo, like everything, like it, and as it should be. Sí. Consider it as if you've moved to Algarves instead. Aita, <laughs> something like that. We are we're less than less than a hundred miles. A little, a little less than 100 miles from the city. It's about two-hour drive, one and three-quarter-hour drive to the city. But see, up here, yeah, it's, there's much more space. And uh, and so we're, we're also busy working on the house. We got this house that we've been kind of fixing up for the last year and a half. So we've, we've been super busy also doing things around the house and painting and building. And whew, for the last year and a half, it's been a lot. And yeah. Once it's all over, you won't believe it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's good. It's looking good already. We're happy. Well, that's pretty cool. So, anyways, Ellie, we're here to talk about music, and of course, local music is ever present in your life. Even the, the fact that you see it from afar, it, it actually has been in your blood in every sense of the word. Obviously, because you started very young. So, tell us about those early, in, like days, pretty much of you wanting to play guitar and how you learned. Yeah, actually, I was there. Uh, I've been because we've been uh, having a you know Zoom chat with a lot of my friends that we grew up with, and you know we've been talking about always Gibraltar is the topic because you know we're, we're Gibraltarians and Gibraltar. You carry Gibraltar wherever you go. It's a very unique, unique, uh, you know, unique type of of experience, especially our generation, because we were we grew up on the border when the frontier was closed. So the frontier closed, I think, sixty-seven or something, and then it reopened eighty-two. So all our childhood. Our teenage years, the frontier was closed. So uh, it was, you know, it kind of, you know, it, it, it marked and, and it kind of made, it created a certain, a bit of like a little Gibraltarian nation of people that, uh, that grew up just in close, in close contact with everybody because there was no internet, there was no going to Spain. You know, you had to get on an airplane or go to Morocco in the, in the Monscalpe back in those days. So... It was a very kind of close-knit situation. And also with musicians, too. There was, a, the, you know, the musicians were also closed. There was a kind of a very limited amount of things to do. You know, you had the rock scene and you had a little bit of the, the jazz scene that started. But, I mean, I started playing guitar because my father plays guitar. And, and William Gomez was, at the time, was the guitar teacher in Gibraltar. And I wanted to learn guitar, so I started studying with him. I used to go up to his house there in City Mill Lane and, uh, and, and have, have private lessons with him. I have some good memories of that. What yeah. was it like to learn from William in every sense of the word? Obviously, knowing the fact that he was already, I want to say, even in his early days, he was already a legend. But obviously, he was so well known worldwide by then as well. See, he was. Uh, yeah, I, I. It's. I have such clear memories of going to his house. He would always be having a, you know, a cheese toast or or a toast, and he'd be smoking a cigarette. And he'd finish his toast, and then they smoke a cigarette, and then grab his guitar, and they would start. You know, there was very, very vivid, very vivid things 
that, that I remember, you know, exactly all the lessons and the, the things he used to teach me. And uh, yeah, it was, I mean, it was the way I got my start to be able to play like classical fingerstyle guitar, you know, which was, which was very crucial to, to playing guitar, uh, you know, like proper technique on the guitar and things like that. And, and he was great for that. I mean, he was, he was a good teacher. Remember he said, he said to me, you know, I have to scold you sometimes just to make you practice, but I'm not really getting angry at you, but it just, I have to tell you just that, you know, so you practice, you know, like he was, he would say stuff like that. He was, he was a real, real character and a lovely and, guitar player. Very lovely. Yeah, lovely he was guitars. very, very yeah. good. And, and yeah. I think we, I think when I tell to a lot of people, I remember just growing up, the fact that my dad knew him was one of the biggest things in my life. And I remember just being around four, maybe five. And the first time I pretty much, I, I had probably met him prior to that, but the first time I remember meeting him when I was much older, it must have been around that time. And I remember the, like the vibration CD had just come out, the first one. Yeah, <laughs> and, right. And I remember it was always played at home. So it was, you know, when I, one, one day I was with my dad in town and all of a sudden William just walked past and my, my dad just talking to him and my dad just, just introduced me to him and it was I was in awe completely. It was like if I had met... I don't know Frank Zappa or Jimmy yeah. Page or that magnitude. That's what it felt you know, to me. He was, yeah, for sure. He, he was the you know he was the main he, he was the main you know one of the main musicians. Him, Hector Cortez were the main kind of like the main you know of that generation. The guys who were really teaching a lot of kids and they had bands and orchestras and they were the ones who really started to to kind of get things rolling in Gibraltar at the time. It was, it was very limited, you know, because, I mean, there was no contact with anything. So just whatever was happening in Gibraltar and whatever, whatever you had. And then as I became older, so then, you know, you get into rock and things like that. But still, once, once I reached, once I was a teenager getting into jazz, then the scene was even smaller. You had, uh, you know, George Pozzo, Brian Torres, Joe Rova, Peter Martinez. That was like the, a bit the scene of the, the jazz musicians at the time. My friend Joe Levy was there too, the drummer. Yeah. Um, so we were we were jazz fans, and uh, yeah, and then the kind of you know I, I used to Brian Torres used to, Brian Torres and George became kind of like my mentors at that next phase. I was maybe fifteen, sixteen, something like that, where I was starting to listen to jazz, you know, like Pat Metheny, and I was starting to get into jazz a little bit, a little bit more. And they they were they were kind of the guys who were into jazz at the time, and uh, I spent a lot of time. Cool. Yeah, like you mentioned Brian Torres in every sense of the word. Another big uh, keyboard player, like I was actually when Jade was inducted into the Hall of Fame last year. I was obviously uh, we actually collaborated with them to make it happen, and I was just astonished when, like, when I when I was talking about Brian and just to see everything he takes with him just to perform. You know, he's got his laptop, he's got everything. Yeah. Professional, yeah. you know, and it sounds great and it looks great as well. Yeah, even for those days, I'm talking, you know. When I was a teenager, Brian already had, you know, the best keyboards. Other, he was the first one to have that, like the, the first Yamaha electric kind of baby grand piano that they they built. This was I don't know uh, late seventies, you know, something like that. Brian had that. He always had great, you know, synthesizers, and uh, yeah, he was always uh, kind of naturally a very very talented, very musical talented guy. Who, you know, because remember in those days in, G in Gibraltar there was no proper teachers you know and and you couldn't go to there was no internet there was no tv or there was only spanish tv there was there was no place to actually go learn you know properly so 
it was just a, just depending on how much you know you had the records that you had and you listened to the records and then you tried to to figure out what was happening in the records and try and imagine how it was done you know <laughs> it just it was a guessing game it was a complete guessing game i remember okay. trying to figure out how to hold the pick and i remember one time by by fluke john mccoughlin was on the tv there was like a concert and I was trying quickly to see how he was holding the pick, to see, you know, to see how jazz musicians hold the pick, because I couldn't, there was no, you know, real professional guitarist, like a jazz guitarist in Gibraltar who could even teach me, who could teach me any, even like proper jazz chords or anything. I remember buying a book and I just couldn't, I didn't know what it was all about. It was, uh, it was just dependent on how much you could figure out by yourself, basically, and, and how much everybody together could help each other. Yeah. What was it about um, jazz that pretty much enthralls you? Would you say? Um, I guess you know. I think it's an evolution. It's an evolution of of music where music is 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 a mood. You know, you you feel a mood from music, classical music, classical guitar. There's a certain sound, a certain mood that it creates. Rock creates a certain mood, and and jazz kind of. Is, is basically unlimited moods, you know? It's, it takes all of music and, and, and opens it up to say, to, 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 to put you in a situation where anything can happen, including, including classical, including rock, everything, everything gets put into that bag. So it's jazz, it's not, uh, you know, uh, people think of oh, Louis Armstrong or the big bands or Duke Ellington. It's jazz is, is, is a, much, a much broader definition of music. It's, it's about, be, not being limited by by anything that music is able to give you, be it rhythm, harmony, melody, anything goes. So, so it gives you the freedom to create anything. Yeah, that's why that's it's very instrumental based as well. Instrumental based, yeah. But you know, you got the great singers like Ella Fitzgerald, yeah. you know, and Sarah Vaughan. I mean, there's people who are, you know, it. But it's more. It requires it requires some craft. It requires a lot of work to get to a place where you know technically you're at a certain level. Your ears have to be at a certain level to be able to feel familiar with certain chords that to some people might sound a little bit strange. You know, it requires a bit of a bit of homework, but as a, from the musician perspective, it puts you in a place where anything's possible. If I write, if I sit down to write music, I, I can pretty much I can do anything because I can write anything, be it for orchestra or string quartet or anything, because you understand. All of how music is put together, all of it, and that's 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 basically to me that's that's the jazz way is that is 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 transcending all of the limitations that that a person can have and really you know saying well there's no boundary I can you can make you know write any any type of music and really understand how it's all put together and 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 understand just like the the mechanics of how it all works you know. And That's what was it like when you discovered more jazz? Obviously, like you mentioned, and like Ella Fitzgerald, and obviously there's the Billy Holidays. There's a who's who of jazz. I, I could probably go on for for a while, but obviously yeah. not being too well versed in the genre myself. But I do know greats. But what was it yeah. like to discover them? Like when you were just starting out in that genre? Well, yeah, it was it was it was it was because jazz is very kind of individual. It's individual music. Every individual has a certain sound. It's it's basically getting to your to deep into your personality, getting deep into your your life story, and it beca the music becomes an expression of that. So you're not you're not limited by the style. You know, when I listen to a John Coltrane solo or a Miles Davis, I'm hearing you're hearing their whole life put into there. You're hearing their whole method of of how they come to 
to make music, how they come to the, their approach in general. So it's more than, you know, it's more than just the music. So, so as I became acquainted with many of these, of, of these artists, just the color and, and, and the, the, just the emotions that, that, comes, that come out of listening to it, it was, yeah. was something that was completely new. When I listened to Pat Metheny the first time, I'd never heard anything like it. It was, you know, it's his own thing that nobody sounds like that, you know. And then, and, and, and music like that were, you know, at first it was more like melodic, easier listening music. Uh, and then as, as you go deeper into it, then you, you come in touch with, with other artists, you know, the Keith Jarrett, you know, Chick Corea, a lot of these people who have created their own, their own music worlds, you know, and that's that, to me, jazz is that it's just you're creating a music world that is a representation of, of your life. That's why I always say that the music, the music that I've made is, is reflects, it's, it's reflected in, in my growing up in Gibraltar also. It's, it's reflected in, in my journey as a musician because people think, well, I'm a jazz musician. And so they assume that all the music I'm going to make is going to be, you know, the cliche jazz sounding music. But you know, I write songs. I just did this flamenco jazz record that that is is totally a representation of who I am as a person. You know, and it includes a yeah. lot of components of of the music that I grew up making because I, I don't I don't I'm not limited by by any style of music. You know, and sometimes it works against you to transcend styles because then people like to be able to pigeonhole people. You know, oh, this guy is that. Absolutely. You know, he's a jazz, and they expect you to do a certain type of music. And for me. It's been it's it's and I've been honest to to the type of music that I want to make. If I want to write a folk song, I'll write a folk song. You know, like uh, like some songs in my first record where they're just like straight up folk songs. And then if I want to write more advanced music or you know, so that I, I don't feel limited by that, and I'm not going to be thinking, oh well, people define me as being you know a certain you know easy listening jazz guitarist, you know, like Earl Clue or you know, there's always people define things, you know, and and. It's, I have to, you know, I've always stayed away from that. But, but on the other hand, it, people, you know, it's it's less of a. It gives less 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 exposure to your music because people are always expecting to be able to to, to define something in a, in an easy definable way. Say, oh yeah, yeah, that's how people. I mean, Gibraltar, people think of me. Oh yeah, he's a jazz musician. But a lot of people haven't really heard the, the records that I made. That they wouldn't even be defined as jazz, you know. So. Yeah. It's uh, it's 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 funny how that works. Let's just say you had a blender right in front of you, and you put in a lot of ingredients and a lot of influences, like from like you like you saw and heard in Gibraltar, like you said. Exactly, and and then and, like and then through 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 the through you know study music, then then your 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 availability of the colors and the moods that you're able to create, it gets bigger and bigger because, because you, you're approaching, you know, you're learning more music and you're not, you're not limited by the style of music that you're operating. If I'm a rock musician, then I can only play rock, you know, so then I don't want to feel that limitation. I want to be able to say, look, if I want, I feel like writing a song that's uh, whatever it is, I want, to, I want to do it, you know, I don't want to be limited by it. Yeah. That's the thing. And like everything else, it just works. And when it works, it's the most amazing thing. Exactly, exactly. That's the, that's the most beautiful thing. So we're going to play two of your, two songs from Worlds in Fiction, considerably mm -hmm. enough. And obviously, Worlds in Fiction. Tell us about that album and what it means to you. So that album, when I first moved to uh, to to Brooklyn, we moved to Brooklyn in uh, 1994. 1994, we moved to Brooklyn, and. Um, <sighs> And we were we had we had just rented a, a, 
a, a, a, a building, a couple of apartments, a couple of apartments. We, we were living down the street, a few doors down, and there was like an older couple and somebody had broken in and, uh, and, and, you know, and stolen everything. And the, 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 the poor, the older couple ended up in hospital and the, suddenly the building was empty. And uh, the only relative that they had was uh, was this, this family who just said to us, Do you want to rent the building? And, and we just rented it. And we got some friends to come and live there. And, and I built a studio with a friend of mine, an Argentinian friend of mine. So we, the building was three apartments and we were all friends living in the building. And we we built a studio down in the ma- in the basement of the building. And that was the first record that I made in, in the studio. That, that was the first record that once the studio was built and we got all the equipment, and I said, okay, now I'm gonna I'm gonna go make make my record, and uh, and I, I used a lot of the musicians that are that I was friends with that were we had all moved to Brooklyn at the time from Boston. A lot of the musicians have had moved to have moved to uh, they were in New York now. So uh, yeah, so that that was that. I made that record. I already had some of those songs. I had written them before. I wrote some new ones for the record. And um, and I went in, and that was that's how I learned my whole uh, engineering uh, producing. I really started to 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 make my way into what is the you know the producer world. I ended up producing a lot of records for people in New York. Once I had the studio, and I learned about engineering. I did a lot of mixing, and and you know kind of got into that whole engineering world a little bit of uh, kind of making music, putting music on records, which is a whole other. A whole other world that really takes takes some time to really <laughs> to really uh, it does, yeah. figure out how it all works. It's not it's a whole it's a whole other world. So I, I did a lot of that, you know. And luckily, I had the studio in my house, so I could be with my family and then just go downstairs work, and made a lot of records through through the years in 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 Brooklyn. A lot of records for all kinds of bands. I find From it heavy. Surreal, like- yeah, like you said, you know, like um, with the equipment, especially like if you have, if I have a soundboard right in front of me, and I see obviously like um, Logic or all these programs that they, they these days they are used to record or whatever, I would mm. be completely lost as to what to do. I'm pretty sure if I get down to it, I'd probably be able to do it. But I mean, I'm mm. always amazed, when, like when I see like obviously this means bass and this is drums, this is guitar, and this is vocals, and it just amazes me, like the entire process of it all. It's, Astonishing in every sense of the word. It surprises me. Yeah, it's uh, as to how it's a, people it's, do it on a daily basis. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it's a you know, it's a, it's a learning it's a learning curve for sure, and also, it's you you have to go beyond all the all the tech tech te- technical aspects of it. You know, it, it's it's more about like okay, well, how do I make something that sounds great, that's coherent, that reflects you know the artist, that reflects. That that comes together as, as a great sounding record, you know. That's it's it's like how do you get to that place, you know? And how do you have the equipment where you where you don't even have to think about the equipment? The equipment is almost invisible, you know. Once you get past all the equipment, then you get really deep into the music, and uh, and and that's when it becomes, uh, you know, it becomes uh, it becomes real, you know. Yeah, absolutely. So we're gonna play oh, yeah. the, the two songs that you chose from Worlds and Fiction back to back, and obviously we're gonna mm. talk about them when we get back as to what, the, what they're about and we'll see what the inspiration behind them are. So these are Sand, Sand Dunes and Worlds in Fiction from Ellie's first album, concerning enough, called, also called Worlds in Fiction. Hope you enjoy it. Sea waves are green and wet And up from where they die Rise others vaster yet And those are brown and dry 
She does not know mankind 
then and now Forever Lost at sea You and me Purple walls And tinfoil ceilings Mirroring Our every move Wading through A world in fiction So far removed Across the bay Like Joe would say So far removed Misunderstood Sammy's home From the promised land Gonna take us down The dreamy road Says he'll drive us to Our destination In a painted car Down across the bay But lying still In desperation The day will come Hail so green Across the way Gonna set a foot Revolving prisms and woven carpets from fairs Follow us through the night into a different light Then again how easy we forget Revolving prisms and woven carpets from fairs Follow us through the night to a different light Then again how easy we forget And every day Our sitting downs Playing with our minds On Irish town
we're back, and that was Eli Macias, of course, with Sand Dunes and Worlds in Fiction from his first album, Worlds in Fiction. So tell us a little bit more about those songs, Eli. So that World in Fiction, I called that uh, that album World in Fiction, is about growing growing up in Gibraltar and living in a world in fiction. <laughs> we lived in a world in Gibraltar where the frontier was closed, and we had on, on we had no idea really what was happening out there in the world at large. When when I left Gibraltar, it took me years to understand how the world works. <laughs> it's a crazy it's a crazy thing. Only a lot of the people, you know, friends who grew up in Gibraltar in that in that era and left Gibraltar and, and came into a, into the greater world where there's thousands of people and 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 there's there's this you think of yourself as like well what's my, who am I what's my identity where where am I coming from I, I remember being in New York and thinking am I like other people I I, I didn't know who who what who I was whether how people behave because we grew up. In a world where everybody know, knew each other, a lot, of, a lot of people are related. It was completely very protected environment, no crime. Uh, you knew everybody. There was nothing, nothing new was going to happen every day. I remember thinking when I was you know, young teenager, thinking it's amazing that tomorrow I know that I will not meet anybody new because nobody was coming in or out of Gibraltar, only on an airplane. But the chances that that person on an airplane is remotely you know, related to, to you or, or you will come into contact with them was very, very remote. So it was a very, on some level, very close-knit community, you know, Gibraltar experience, but on the other level, a very disconnected from the world experience. So Absolutely. we had this notion, you had this notion that the world, the world functioned a certain way, but it was fictional. We were living in a world in fiction where we, we didn't really know how the world functioned. And like I said, it took me took me years to, to be able to hold my own and, and just find a sense of, of identity or have a certain uh, perspective on, on how the world works and how people interact with each other when they're not people who know themselves from childhood. It's, it's a different thing, you know? It is. I mean, when I tell my friends yeah. from abroad like that I see more or less my friends every day or even sing, not all my friends, but you see some of them in town whenever you're wandering around. Or mm. if, like, like anything else, but it, it, when I tell people from the UK or even from the US, that what's the they, they asked once, what's the proximity that you'll probably see someone that you know when you go to work? I'm like, I'll probably see maybe thirty people by the time I get to maybe the next street after my house. Exactly. That I know. Exactly. And that's the exactly. beauty of it. It's not. It's not a bad thing. I think many people like say, oh, I get it. Like people will probably find out something about you. And even to probably related to people that you know, and it's like it's like that, unfortunately. And but sometimes it's a good thing that it happens because you could be in a world of danger, and they tell your parents or they tell anybody that you know, and you'll never make that mistake again. For example. Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think it's it's you know everybody everybody is has the experience that they have wherever it is, and it's you know you have to make it make it into a positive and see all the all the good things that come out of it. I I learned that. From growing up in Gibraltar during that time, a lot of the people became very detail-oriented because you, you're doing the same thing every day. You walk in the same streets, so you start to notice details because you're not functioning in, in, a, in a, very, a very large area, like here in the States, for example. You get in the car and you drive for five hours, and it's trees and forests, and 
your your brain is working differently. You know, I I remember the, you know the way everything feels in Gibraltar from walking the streets, the way the stone feels on the wall that that lovers lane there, all those little details from from doing those things so many times because that's that was we just functioned in a very small area, you know. So you become you become very good at noticing detail, you know, like. Oh, uh, this one walked by me. Oh, I saw Tel Aviv. No me dijo, no me dijo, hola. Esta pasó. You know, people, you, you start to be very detail-oriented. Yep. And I realized that that was good for me when I came to, to into the, the whole engineering, mixing, producing thing. I, I, I learned that that attention to detail was a really good thing that, that I had acquired from growing up. That I realized that I, I was very good at... at uh, and noticing details because your 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 brain has been accustomed to thinking uh, on that detailed level, you know, because it, you're doing the same thing every day, seeing the same people. So so your you you want you, you your brain wants to be excited doing different things, and that's how you that's how you adapt in in, in that kind of a very small environment like that. It's, it's very it's fascinating. It's that's the beauty of it. I think routine, like obviously it's a convention. Obviously the same streets, same buses, and same people mostly. Every day yeah. in the same cafe, uh, same cafeterias, people may be buying coffee at the same time as you, and then you get to know, say hello. But everyone yeah. says hello in Gibraltar one way or another. You get on the bus, you always say morning to everyone. It's, it's like if you do that elsewhere, and they maybe look at you as if you're crazy. And you yeah, know. I mean, surprisingly, surprisingly, when, when we first moved to New York, you know, people were very we, much friendlier than, than, we, than, we, than we anticipated. Well, what happens in Gibraltar is that because you see somebody four or five times a day, the, uh, the 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 genius in Gibraltar is that that there's a lot of ways to say hello to somebody which you don't see yeah. a, in other places. But that's true. That's what I'm talking about. The detail that you know, you say hola, qué, cómo está, I, you know, there's all the, all the different ways to say hello because you can't say the same thing to the same person. You know, when you see them four or five times a day. So that was an evolution from from the close frontier days where you just bump into somebody a whole bunch of times every day and say qué pasa, hombre, and just you have to say something different. And, yeah, and that was thing. that's part of the, that was part of the, the you know the Gibraltar experience of uh, very you know close quarters with people and being very very attuned to you know how somebody's feeling. Okay, le pasa, ticket te pasa, blah blah. You know, okay, and then defining, describing people. Oh, okay, 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 but that was part of the problem of leaving Gibraltar too. That you're so detail oriented that I, w- I wasn't able to to let go of that detail and, and be so detail obsessed and just thinking in a bigger scale of just like, well, you know, everything is 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 much louder. I don't need to obsess over over little things. And and I noticed that when I left Gibraltar, I was very very obsessed with detail because of having grown up in in, in that s- such an environment. You know, you know who's looking at you. You know. What they know about you, everybody knows your business. You've never felt completely alone, you know, and and you know, in that sense. So it's it's uh, it's you know, good good sociological uh, sociology experiment for sure. <laughs> More than anything else, it's very uh, we have le- very led by terms of endearment in Gibraltar. I think it's like you mm-hmm. said, like you, we we read people differently in every sense of the word. If you say "qué pasa," it's like you have that more or less a, like a like a bond maybe with the person or maybe there's right. a level of trust. So exactly. Call them that, for example, exactly. Or if you say, give us a manual or anything, or, or anything I, of the sort. You know? 
and it works exactly it's all it's all it's it's not it's not just a way of saying hello it it carries so much everything has a lot of content because there's so much detail in everything the way something is said and also the way people receive it you know it's like oh yeah take exactly okay you know just because yeah. you didn't say hello to a certain person a certain way that all you know it's like the, the small town uh, experience which which uh, which has you know puts you in a certain mindset and which obviously is, has its it's it's a great it's a valuable thing because it's a, it's a beautiful thing you know it is. and uh, but uh, it's good to understand you know how, how to how to put it in context and and you know just how that experience for me evolved into being able to function in a in a bigger world it took me a while to really be able to 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 be to open up a little bit yeah it's just yeah. But of course, like everything else, like we always ask all our guests anyway, like regardless of what they've achieved in the local music scene. But what was it like to venture out even here before you left and to meet other musicians? Obviously, aside from the jazz, mm. uh, like obviously being involved in jazz, but even the ones mm. that, that pioneered the rock scene or even like the ones that pioneered other scenes. Where in Gibraltar, you mean? Yeah. Or what is it like? What was it like in Gibraltar? You mean with the diff with the other musicians? Yeah, for you to meet others and to become acquainted with other musicians, even though they weren't musicians that played your genre. Yeah, I mean, you know, I I came up uh, I came up playing rock. You know, I, I came up playing rock. I had uh, you know with my cousin uh, Isaac Atias, uh, Joe Levy, my cousin uh, J.C. Cazes. We had little bands then. I came up, for example, with people like Peter Montegrifo, Eric Cipollina, uh, my friend Clive Levy, he plays drums. There's there's a whole bunch of musicians that were like the rock musicians coming up to that point where I started to listen to jazz and wanted to expand. That was around the time that Peter Frampton, Frampton Comes Alive, that record was yep. was probably one of the last rock records that I, that from that record I went on to like like jazz, you know, even though that wasn't the introduction, but but I was still trying to play rock, you know, trying to play, learning how to play rock and playing a lot of blues. I used to close myself up in my my bedroom and, and play. I had like a lot of B.B. King records um, and like blues records that I used to play along with a lot. And it just, you know, that's that that's rock guitars coming from from blues guitars. If, 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 if you can't play blues guitar, you can't play rock. That's for sure. Yes, that's definitely uh, true. And it's, isn't it great, at least, for you to see people like, obviously, Peter's still very active and maybe not as active as he should be. And I think he'll get mad at me for saying that. I wish he performed more mm -hmm. often. But like, the likes of Eric, for example, who's actually part of Egypt as yes. well with, uh, with uh, uh, Pizza Correa as well, which is yes, great. You yes, know, They're actually doing quite a lot in, in the UK. No, there was all the different peers. There was different people. I mean, Peter's an amazingly talented musician. Always, you know, always been. Peter is one of a kind. You know, <laughs> he's amazing, and all, all the other things that he does. You know, but uh, there, there was always uh, they were like the Led Zeppelin kind of crew for a while with with Eric Cipollina. Then you had like the heavy metal guys. Uh, Peter Shishong was into that. Harry Shishong. There was like a whole other scene that developed maybe uh, maybe early in the early 80s or something like that when heavy metal was really huge. Then you have some of the guys who really got into the whole heavy metal thing. And, you know, but there was always pockets of people who were doing who were doing different things, always in a, in a small scale. I mean, nowadays in Gibraltar, there's so many more musicians and so the, the scene is so much healthier. Uh, but uh, back in those days, it was a battle. You couldn't people were squatting to get uh, to get uh, uh, 
rehearsal spaces. You know, the government was coming to, to kick people out. There was no concept of of uh, helping, you know, cultural help to the to the to the musicians. Everybody was on their own. And and everybody there, there was there was no no concept of of the government coming to 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 support any kind of a, of a, you know a, a cultural activity on that level where there was bands and people playing rock. It was looked at as like oh these, these guys are a hassle you know these guys are a problem and it was it was it was a real it was a real problem. I remember Peter he was squatting in a, there was a next to the old GBC TV there by Lovers Lane. He they was they were having a, a rehearsal space down there that was illegal. Uh, uh, the these guys uh, they they were some other guys were 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 renting a space at the garage down by on Linewall Road there a little a little a little a little spot down there down as you go into the into the car into the car park down there on the left they had like a little space. People were just trying to. You know, to be able to find rehearsal spaces wherever they could. You know, it was it was a yeah. different era, different times, different times. And I think it's like everything else. We take. I think we have to take it for granted the fact that perhaps the rehearsal rooms nowadays are so accessible. Obviously, if you speak to cultural services or in Rock on the Rock, and all all these places have rehearsal spaces available. Yeah, it's a different. I mean, yeah, it's you know, thanks thanks to the internet. The internet's also brought awareness to people people nowadays through the internet can under, can can see the quality uh, can see the reality of people in other worlds you know they can see the reality of people in other worlds they can see how how things work and then you can compare your life and so that also puts pressure on governments to say well this government does that so then people expect that their own government is going to do a lot of the things that are standard for some governments even though in some countries there is a more more support for for culture, more support for music, you know. But uh, but uh, you know, at least there's, there's a standard, and people are able to have a perspective on what happens in different countries, so that so that at, at least you know, governments a bit come under pressure to to have to provide certain you know standard things that are you know. Uh, it's 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 a good thing for people who have bands. Whereas back in those days, it was it was a hassle for the for the for for the government. They didn't look at it as like a positive thing. You know what I mean? It was crazy. It was it's like, incredible uh, how, how the evolution, I suppose. Yeah, it's. Uh, I mean, times change. You know, times change, and at, at that time, there was you know the whole the border was closed, so that so the the. the the government was grappling with the idea of how to survive. You know, it was like a survival thing. Well, how how are we going to survive? What are we going to do for commerce? Uh, the whole the whole workforce was had gone to back to Spain, so they were trying to, you know, bring workers from Morocco. It was like a whole thing that they were grappling with. So that the idea of having, uh, you know, cultural programs at the time was not, uh, you know, was not uh, <laughs> it was not the priority. You always had the, maybe the Mr. Bolta contest. I think that was has been a staple for years. Yeah, and and a concert here and there, you know, here and there, but very, 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 very little. The only the only live music I saw growing up in Jib was maybe, uh, maybe um, was it Ketama? Ketama came to play a concert once, and we were already. This was like maybe eighty, eighty four, maybe eighty three, or something like that, in St Michael's Cave. Otherwise. You know, uh, William Gomez would do concerts maybe at the Queens. You know, it was like local, local music. But in terms of bringing bands from outside, so that locals could see the level of of, of what's happening out in the world, it was completely it was a it was a, a fictional world we were in. We we had no idea what was happening out there. 
you have the records. We look at the records of, you know, Carlos Santana and this guy. Wow, cool, you know, but I had no idea. How does Carlos Santana make a record? I mean, I have no idea. Yeah. That's the thing. You become very, I want to say gullible. Like you want people tell you, oh, this is how it's done or whatever. But it's, sometimes it's so hard to believe, like, as to how things happen and how they even happen in the first place. It's like, oh, maybe Carlos Santana was just sitting down one day in bed and he's thinking, you know what, today I'm going to make an album. But there's a lot exactly. more work behind it, you know. And exactly. And nowadays, nowadays you can go online and you and and you can understand. You know, there's much more contact between people. The whole globalization thing. People understand how things. People travel a lot. You know, you understand. But at the time, we just you had no clue. When I got when I left Gibraltar, I just had no clue. You you have no clue. Also, like what it takes. Like how much effort you have to put into something. You you don't know. You know what I mean? You think things yeah. happen, or because you you have been taught how to do something on a on a on a level that is worldly you know what i mean on a level that is oh here's the level of how the world does things you know this how they they build a building this is how the world functions you have no idea because we hadn't we hadn't been around that we hadn't been taught that because gibraltar was grappling with other issues of just like his survival and yeah. being put in a in a political situation that was that was very uncomfortable for everybody and it was it was a bad situation you know just Unluckily, because that's 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 the situation that came. That suddenly the border gets closed, and it's like, okay, well, what do you do now? You know, and luckily there was leadership that was able to pull Gibraltar through that situation, and the people all came together, and there was like a, you know, a, it solidified that whole, you know, identity, Gibraltar identity thing, and and, and everybody came together as as a, as a little nation to to pull through something like that, because it it could have been a disaster, you know, it could have been disaster without the right leadership, it could have been. Who knows, you know? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah. So we're going to play I'll Never Come Here Again, which you're going to tell us a little bit more about. I'm curious as to what it's about. And yeah. we, which is from Brooklyn Days, which is your second album. And obviously we'll be back for the final two tracks after this. So I'll Never Come Here Again by Ellie Macias. Hope you enjoy. I'll never come here again
five unfortunately we always get to the end and it's, it's there's so much to talk about and i think it's like i always say to all my guests we obviously we're not the radio but at the same time we obviously we like to like talk about everything relative to local music on even your careers and it, it, sometimes for me it's, it's it, time flies when you're having fun they say and it's very true mm-hmm. and, and it's a true assessment when it comes to something like this mm-hmm. so tell us yeah. a bit more about i'll never come here again so that song uh uh, I have, I had, um, I had just watched the the Radiohead documentary, so that that song is a bit inspired, a bit by a bit like a Radiohead kind of sound. I think, uh, I think OK Computer had come out, had just come out at, at, at around that time, and uh, and I just wanted to go and write a song that had a bit of that kind of like a dreamy, dreamy, spacey kind of sound, and it's a bit like, uh, you know. Uh, uh, Bit the underdog a little bit, you know. Bit had that kind of a feeling. So I, I remember being with my friend. We we saw the documentary, and then I went up to my apartment, and, and I just and I wrote that song, you know, just based on on that idea of of just trying to get that kind of a mood a little bit. If you listen to the song, it's got the the harmonies are moving in a certain way that creates that kind of a a dreamy, and it's got like a bit of the rock, bit of a rock thing going on there too. But uh, that, that that was that was the idea there. You know, it's good to 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 try different things. How proud yeah. are you of your second album in particular? Obviously, because it came a few years after your first one. Well, that album, that album, it, I had a band that we that we that we toured with with three other friends. They're they're in Europe. One lives in Paris. The other one lives in Belgium, and the other one lives in Holland. Drummer, bass player, piano player. And then we did a tour through Spain, and then we came back and we recorded that record. And we did actually nine or ten songs 
that, that we only ended up I only ended up putting a few of the songs on the record. I didn't end up putting all the songs out because because we had been used to playing live uh, on the tour, and then in my studio we weren't able to record everything live because I was engineering and and just the 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 technic the, the the technicalities of how we were we put that record together were very was hard to put it all together and to really capture what we had been doing live. And so, uh, so th- I ended up not putting some of the, some of the songs. Mostly, there was like another four or five instrumentals that I have that we never we never put them out on that record. And um, that record is is that is a bit like the Brooklyn Experience. That it was it's called Brooklyn Days. That that record. So it has a bit of a you know a bit of my my Brooklyn experience a little bit. It's not you know Brooklyn is you know raising a family in Brooklyn as a musician. You know it's not it's not an easy thing. So it's got a bit of uh, di- different components there. It's got a dif- different. Uh, you, you can tell a bit the hardship, and the uh, just the intensity a little bit of of just those days that that uh, sp- particularly the first few years we were there. After a while, we kind of got the hang of it, you know. But when the when the kids were like young and they're babies, and you 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 know, it's and you're a musician, <laughs> it's not it's not an easy thing. So that that album for me is is the memory is the memory of that that little era of our little our little Brooklyn era in that in in the building there with the studio and 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 just that Brooklyn experience. It's a bit of it's a bit of that. And it's very fun, I bet as well. More than anything else, like we we well, people may not be aware of, and I think people will know for sure. But the fact that you went to Berkeley and obviously then to venture out in the music scene, which is vast and probably has, I want to say, on average, maybe 50,000 50, other musicians, which probably want to achieve the same things that you do and you have yes. done. So what was it like to venture out into that world? Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's one of those things where where people who have experienced it, then they know they know what you're talking about. You know, I mean, there's people, you know, you can go to New York and, and you can... So, yeah, there's a lot of musicians here, but until you've lived in New York for a substantial amount of time, at least six or seven years, we were there for like, you know, almost 25 years, you know, living in the city, working in the city, having a recording studio in the city, um, you know, you realize just the, the magnitude of, of, of the, the amounts of people, the amounts of musicians that are there, it's the amounts of different scenes, the amounts of or different types of music that are happening is just it's vast, you know. So uh, luckily, I had been, coming from Berkeley, I already had a pool of people that that I had met at Berkeley that were friends, and usually that's the that's the the uh, the next thing to do after you finish school in Boston is you come down to New York, and then and then you come and you move to New York, and then you start working there. So when I moved, there was there was another probably thirty at least or forty people. 40 musicians that came down that I already knew that I was already friends with that I had already been playing in Brooklyn with that I knew from school already and some are still some of my best friends that we that we we still stay in touch we still play together and and we're still it's almost like a family a family of musicians and then coming down there you meet even more people who are the extensions of those musicians and then that becomes a a big extended family of, of musicians that it's that is to me, we all feel it's like it's like a family. When we get together, we have so many things in common. We've experienced so many of the same experiences, the same hardships, the same joys, the same, the same, uh, 
you know, we just we know that the, the world that that we've that we've existed in, you know, we know what it's about. So we have a, we have a deep connection with each other, and um, and and that's, that's 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 you know that's a very nice thing. But that came out. Luckily, it came out from from having been to Berkeley. I think if you show up in New York with no friends and without knowing anybody, it's it could be quite lonely. <laughs> it can be a, a tough experience. You have to you have to. Uh, you have to have some way to start with, you know, it's important. Yeah. It's like everything else, I suppose. Like once, like you mentioned, like you get the connections and I know you can get the connections, meet people like um, who once you do the same thing or like more than anything else to jam and to continue in like your craft and to not lose practice or practice makes perfect, etc. But it's very adventurous to it's pretty much like diving into the deep end at the same time because you at the same time new york being what it is it, you just never know who's listening i suppose yeah i mean you learn you learn uh, basically what it taught me is that is that you 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 be, you come in touch you you're asking yourself who you are all the time you know that's why i always come back to the gibraltar thing because gibraltar thing is is so much what defines what defines me as a person you know growing up in gibraltar defines me as a person defines my tastes defines a lot of things because that's that's where i that's where i came from so it taught me to go back and 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 search to see what what it is that i really that i really love about music what it is that that is really that is really personal about me that that i connect with and so it's people would think oh when you go to new york and you're going to be a jazz musician and you know that's not the experience is not it doesn't work like that. You know what I mean? It, it, you have to. There's a certain honesty that's required from a musician to be able to play a certain music. You know, you can't be you can't be a rock star if you're not living the rock the rock star life. You know what I mean? <laughs> you have yeah. to you have to be living it. You know, so you can't just say, "Oh, I'm going to go be a jazz musician." It doesn't work like that. It, it, it's 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 much more. It's a much deeper thing. Much more complex. And and. And it requires a lot of honesty, requires a lot of soul searching to say, well, what is it that I truly love? You know, I, I can, I could play jazz full time if I wanted to, you know, but it, I've made the conscious choice to say, well, there's more to the things that I love in music than just, you know, playing jazz. Of course, I love playing jazz, but I also love folk music. I love Joni Mitchell. I love Stevie Wonder, you know. I love James Taylor or whatever. And there's a whole bunch of other music that I, I don't want to disconnect with. And I don't want to disconnect from just because, they, well, I just, I just do jazz, you know, where there are people who, who that's all they listen to and that's all they play is just jazz, you know, in terms of like, that's you know. They, like yeah. everything else, like even, like, even for myself, you know, even though I'm not well versed in the genre myself, but I, you have to become very diverse because you never know what you're going to have to cover. And obviously you have to lose listen to a lot of it to use influences like because it's like you said like you could be playing something and it could be, remind someone of a certain other musician or any other jazz artist or any folk artist or even a rock artist or anything else of the sort yeah and you have to be it's, it's just about as as an as an artist you have to be honest you know you have to be honest and find your thing you know find what it is that you do that defines you you know it's like you could say i'm gonna paint like picasso and i'm gonna be a picasso you, you can't just do that you know what i mean you have to you have to, it has to be an honest statement that is, okay, this is who this person is, you know, and uh, yeah. that's, and that's the, the process, the process is like that, you know, yeah. It's and, a and process. You, yeah, and New York, it pushes you, 
it, it pushes you and, and forces you to look into that process to say, okay, here's, you know, all the thousands of musicians that I know that we play and, and, and you have all of these musical experiences and some of them you say, wow, this was a deep experience. This is, I love that, but this, and then you start to really form your own, your own idea of, of what it is that you love you know, the most and, and what it is that, that, what are the components of music that you love the most? You know, for example, I love flamenco. So to you, like the, the last record that I did, is, yeah. is with flamenco is with flamenco musicians, you know, because that's a part of who I am. But if you go to Philadelphia and, and we're talking to like a jazz musician from Philadelphia, there's just no connection there to flamenco at all. You know what I'm saying? There's no connection. They know it exists, but for me, it's something that I grew up with, something that I, that is that is inside me as, as, as from growing up in Gibraltar, from listening to flamenco on the TV and on the radio, you know, and from and from spending time in Spain and from. And, you know, my nannies, when I was little, were Spanish. You know what I mean? They used to sing in Spanish, flamenco, to put me to sleep. So, of course, that's something that, that, is, that is my, is, it's a makeup of who I am. You know, I can't, I can't, I can't uh, push it aside and say, no, you know, I'm not going there. Of course, I want to go there because it's, it's beautiful. It's amazing, you know. Yeah, and this record, this record was that, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's a, it's an honor, and it's it's a big it's a big uh, milestone for me to be have been able to to make a record like that with, with you know flamenco musicians and something that's as a blend and it really captures that blend of of the types of music that I make that have a bit of jazz flamenco just my own it's my own sound you know my own sound of the music that I that I love. It's, it's, and that's it's, the best way to describe it in every sense of the word. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, absolutely. I mean, using influences, and like you mentioned, I don't think. I think we take it. Like, we I use it in this term quite a lot, but it's the truth. But we think we take it for granted how much influences we can actually use in not just in music, but even in our cooking or even in our clothing. It's incredible. I and like, also being so multicultural actually helps a lot in that sense. You know, one day you could be eating a torta patata, and all of a sudden for for dinner you fancy something Italian, and you know, it's it's the beauty exactly. of it. Exactly. Exactly, because Gibraltar, Gibraltar is, 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 is a cross point for, you know, for, for many different cultures. Sometimes, you know, we, you know, as a Gibraltar, I don't want to put aside the fact that there's a, a deep Spanish influence in Gibraltar, even though, you know, I happen to be a British citizen, but I mean, Gibraltar, the Spanish culture in Gibraltar is a deep influence, whether we like it or not, you know. And, yeah. also, and also the North African, the North African influence in Gibraltar is also deep, you know, I have also a connection with like Middle Eastern music, uh, North African music. When I play that stuff, it, t it takes me back. I, I connect to it, you know, I, I relate to it. Yeah. As well as, you know, a lot of these Sephardic thing that I grew up listening to in the synagogue in Gibraltar from being Jewish, you know, it, it just, there's a makeup, everybody has a makeup of, of all, all the roots that they have in all the different places, you know, and, and it's, and, and it's a celebration, you know, I don't want I don't want to cast aside any of those influences on the contrary, you know, and Gibraltar is, is is great for that because there's there's so many things happen there. There's so many different cultures that are that are that are that are celebrated in Gibraltar, and I think it's it's a great thing to to, to celebrate that, you know. Absolutely. Obviously, due to the pandemic, obviously the album came out late last year, but obviously the pandemic obviously happened and everything else. But any possible plans of maybe like promoting and launching the <laughs> album here in Gibraltar? Yeah, I'd like to. I'd love to do that. We were. I was actually planning a tour for June. Now we were gonna. They were gonna come here on June twenty second, and I was already. There was already lining up some gigs for them to come and, and do a little tour here. But that's that's out of the window right now. 
um, you know, once things go back to normal, then we'll see. We'll see if uh, we'll see. <laughs> Nobody knows when or how or or what's going to happen. When there'll be a vaccine, when there'll be a cure. Nobody. Everybody's asking those questions to see if things will go back to normal. But you know, many of the clubs, you know, are going to have trouble surviving. That the whole live music thing is going to have. We don't know how it's going to emerge at the end of this. You know, I don't know. We'll yeah. see what happens. But we'll see what happens here and even around the world, like you said. It's it's unanswered question pretty much. That's yes, the way to exactly. exactly. So we're going to play Patricia and Uncaged Bird from Cadiz Blue, and that will end the show this week. And Ellie, I just want to thank you for your time. It's been a pleasure to talk to you and obviously talk about your musical journey, obviously about the music that you've produced over the years. And same here, David. Thanks so much, and thanks for doing all this great work for the for the local scene and beyond. Excellent job, and uh, thanks try, for having. We try our best. We try our best. That's Very the, good. I think more than anything else, it's like uh, we always say to end the show, and I say it all the time. Even when we do like uh, we cover an event or anything else, we always have to support local music because when you do, you're keeping local music alive, and that's the, there's no better way to to end it than than with that. Yes, music is good for everybody. It's good to Absolutely. know that. <laughs> it's good for the soul. Yeah. So thank you, Ali, once again. Guys, we'll be yeah. back with another interview probably in the, on Monday. Obviously, you will be listening to this today, Wednesday. Obviously, this has been recorded. It's not live. And I, I, that's the best thing about it, the fact that it's not live. Sometimes we get carried away. We could be here till tomorrow. Not, not that it's not a bad thing, but maybe it's an idea to have an interactive show. We don't know what the future holds for the podcast, at least at the moment. We're just enjoying doing these interviews. And you will. You can just listen to this on, on, on podcast.com. You can listen to it wherever you get your podcasts. So, hope you enjoy and enjoyed the show like as much as I did. And more than anything else, we'll catch you on Monday. So, take care, guys. Thank you, Ellie, and hope you enjoyed the music. Take care, guys. Thanks, thanks, David. Shadows over me. It's hard as a diamond and cold as the snow that falls heavy at my feet. By myself on the sidewalk, thinking of you. Be a while till I see you again. Sounds got me crazy, it's taking me down How I wish I could take you with me Patricia Patricia
by subscribing to the show wherever you access your podcasts by searching for GLMS Podcasts.